Let's turn in God's word to that passage just read from, which is 2 Corinthians and chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's ask God's blessing upon this time that he would speak to us and help us to hear his voice. Lord our God, we just pause at this moment in the service, thanking you for your word, asking that you would help us to listen to what you have to say to us. Help me to speak clearly, but help us all above everything to hear you speaking to us. That your word would come with freshness and boldness, drawing us to the Lord Jesus Christ and finding our hope in him. So bless this time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe we've said something like this before. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this situation, this trial, this problem which I am encountering? For life has a way, doesn't it, of presenting to us unexpected challenges. And even the ones we do expect seem to go away different to how we would expect them to work out. This is last, obviously, this last year, 18 months has really highlighted that, hasn't it? It's been a roller coaster of ups and downs with the pandemic. And the knock-on effect of this may be felt for years and years to follow. It's shown us, hasn't it, the things we thought were stable and we thought were, were certain in this world often aren't. But we all face challenges and crises in life. And often we wish things were different. We may recall a time before the crisis and want to go back to how things were before. We want to turn the clock back, don't we, 18 months before this pandemic and go back to how things were then. But life isn't like that. I don't want to oversimplify this evening the issues that we all are facing, which you are facing in your life at this moment. I don't want to trivialise these things. But it's important for us as we come to, focus, to, to, to face these challenges, which we are maybe now or in the future will face, that we have a biblical perspective on them. Because we don't live in a random universe of chance, where things happen for the sake of it. No, we, we live in a universe of order, where God is sovereign over everything. And there is purpose even in the challenges and crises which we face, even those painful experiences which we go through. So then how are we to respond to those things as Christians? How are we to respond to those moments when we say, how am I going to get through this? Well, we need to remember and remind ourselves that God is the one who has purpose. As it says in Ephesians 1.11, the purpose of God who works all things even those crises, according to the counsel of his will. And that Christ is the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, as it says in Hebrews 1 as well. This is the God who has saved you and called you to himself. And so why do these things happen to you or to me, to us? As we look in this passage in 2 Corinthians and chapter 12, we look at verse 9. And we find that the Apostle Paul has faced something like this. Actually, verse 7, before that, he speaks about this, mess, this, this uh, thorn in the flesh, this unexpected situation that had come a, a, upon him. 
And he has this wonderful promise given to him in verse 9, where the Lord Jesus says that my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And this promise that the Apostle Paul had then is a promise for each one of us as believers for you this evening. It's an encouragement for every Christian in our journeyings in life. As we face various challenges, this promise is precious and true. It is the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what we want to think about this evening is the subject of the sufficient grace of Christ. To understand this verse, we need to read back from verse 7. Let's do that now. The apostle says there, Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So we have here firstly this thorn in the flesh, a thorn that was given in the flesh. I'm no gardener, I'm not sure if you're into gardening, I'm sure some of you are. But even if you're not, you know to stay away from thorns. If you see that bramble bush with the thorns on there, we all have an instinct, don't we, I'm sure, not to grab it with both hands. Because those thorns are sharp. They'll pierce your hand and and be very, very painful indeed. And the word the apostle uses here for this thorn in the side is, is just that. It's a unique word he uses, only used here once in the New Testament. Thorn, and it's used four times in the Old Testament in the Greek translation. And every time it's used, it's used figuratively to describe something else. It's figurative language that he's using. So what is the Apostle Paul using it here to refer to? There's been lots of speculation. I'm sure you're aware. Some have thought, well, perhaps he had a problem with his eyes and, it, and he couldn't see very clearly. Or he had epilepsy or malaria or migraines. You can look into this and find all these speculative ideas about this. But the truth is we don't know. We don't know what affected him in this way. We know that the bodily ailment did affect him. It speaks about that in Galatians 4. It speaks about writing large letters in Galatians 6. So perhaps it was that issue. Or perhaps in the context of this letter, he's referring to the false apostles as had become a thorn in his side, a thorn in the flesh as they'd come to the church in Corinth and sought to undermine the teaching of the gospel and to draw people away. And he's maybe speaking about them. Maybe they were the thorn in the flesh that was troubling the church there. But we don't know. He just speaks about it here as a messenger of Satan that was there to harass or torment or buffet the apostle. Whatever it was, it was uncomfortable. It was a hindrance. It was a difficulty. And it provides pain for the apostle Paul. And so three times he prays that it would be done away with. 
it was a thorny issue. But also, interestingly, as, as we read this verse, we see that it was given to him. A thorn in the flesh was given to the Apostle Paul. And that's a strange way of referring to it, isn't it? The Apostle had a, a robust theology of providence. He knew that God was sovereign in all these things. This, this thorn in the flesh didn't just come out of the blue without God knowing about it. In fact, it was given to the Apostle. Why would God give the Apostle this thorn? As he's undertaking this work as a missionary and working with churches, as he's traveling around, why would God allow this to happen? Why would he even give him a thorn in the flesh? When Paul's desire is to serve, to preach, to church plant, to get on with mission, why this slowdown? Well, we have here a mystery, don't we? And it is a mystery, a mystery of providence. But we know that God is sovereign in this. It may remind us of the opening verses in Job, how God permits Satan to test Job, his servant, to take his property, to take his family, to take his children, to attack his health. Why would God allow that? It's hard to understand, isn't it? Why would God allow this? But we know and believe and trust that God is sovereign in that as well. He is absolutely sovereign, almighty. He's not playing catch up with the devil doing things and, the, and, and God's trying to catch up and follow up what's happening. No, no, it, that's not the case. It's not like a boxing match either where they're taking swings at each other. Absolutely not. God is in complete control and he allows or uses even evil, even Satan himself, for the Apostle Paul's good. And so the Apostle says in verse 7 that it is to keep him from becoming exalted above measure or conceited, puffed up, proud, seeking self-promotion, advancement, even like the false apostles, the false teachers were doing. He's comparing himself to them. God in his grace allows, even gives this thorn in the flesh to the Apostle to prevent this. And so we see this thorn of providence here. Hard for us to understand. And in our situations, as we see things in our life and experience those difficulties, we ask that question, why? Why is this allowed to happen? Why is God, has he abandoned me? Is he not really sovereign in my life? Why is God allowing these things to happen and we often want our best life now, don't we? We want that comfortable life, free from pain and suffering and free from problems, free from sicknesses, free from COVID, free from death. All these things are symptoms of a fallen world, of fallen humanity, which we are a part of, which we live in. But the truth is God hasn't abandoned you, hasn't abandoned us. Indeed, he has remedied the situation, sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. He came to deliver us, but not just from the symptoms, from the fundamental problem of sin at the root cause, the broken relationship with God. God has dealt with that in Christ. He's come to reconcile us to God. 
And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he came into this world, humbled himself, even unto death, even the death of the cross. There bearing in his own body the sins of his people. Your sins, my sins, our guilt on that cross. He literally wore a a crown of thorns. He also had that thorn in the flesh. The the Lord Jesus Christ had a crown of thorns on his head, symbolising the curse. And he dealt with the problem. He died and rose and gave his life. But in this world, we still face the symptoms of this fallen world. But we have a hope, don't we? Because we know that that situation is dealt with fundamentally. And though we experience trials in this life, the Lord Jesus said so, didn't he himself? In, in John 16, in me, he said, you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. But take heart, Jesus says to you, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And so as we travel through life and those thorns do come upon us, upon you, while we're waiting for the, the fullness of this redemption to come, God is not impotent. He's not abandoned you. He's not unable to deal with those things, the fallout of our present situation. He is fully in control. But he uses them, as we'll see in a moment, a bit more. And even directs those thorns to come in our lives to accomplish his purposes. The mystery of providence. A thorn was given me in the flesh. And so we come to this next part, this verse, these verses, where Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. Here we have the answer to this thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient for you. Verses 8 and 9. Apostle says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. We see the Apostle's response to this thorn. How does he respond? He prays. He prays. Three times, thrice, it says. We may ask that question, why three times? Why not four times? Why not ten times? Why not keep praying as he often exhorts us elsewhere to pray continually? Well, maybe it's symbolic of that repeated prayer, that urgent, specific prayer. Three times is often used in that way. Maybe it's looking back to the Old Testament pattern of prayer of morning, evening and at noon. Will I pray? But he prays and brings his matter to the Lord in faithful prayer. It reminds us of the Lord Jesus himself, doesn't it, in Gethsemane. Do you remember that occasion? Before the cross, he comes to Gethsemane and he prays. He comes before the, uh, God in heaven three times and says, May this cup be taken from me, removed from me. While the apostle prays for this thorn to be removed from me, the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane prays for the cup, the cross, to be removed from me. And neither of these prayers are, are casual. They are earnest prayers, prayers of faith directed to God. And so the apostle prays here 
to God, to the Lord. May this be taken from me, this thorn in the flesh. But the Lord Jesus Christ responds and says, my grace is sufficient for you, sufficient. That my strength may be seen here, my power may be seen, made perfect in weakness. The apostle's called to trust, isn't he? To trust in God, and so are we. The Lord Jesus displays that same trust, doesn't he, in Gethsemane when he says, not what I will, but the what you will, as he goes forward to the cross for you and for me. This is not a, a stiff upper lip. This is not stoic in its whatever will be will be kind of thinking. But this is trust in God. Trust in the Lord's good purposes. And so the apostle is called here to trust. My grace is sufficient for you. Trust me. Trust me with this. So we praise in faith. And we see here now this, this grace that's shown to the apostle. This sufficient grace. Jesus' response is is the gospel, the balm of the gospel, that, that grace which overflows abundantly to him and to us, which more than meets our every need, through which we find salvation, we find ourselves restored in relationship with God, and it meets and ex- extends our, our need more than we would expect. But yet this thorn is still not removed. But here, while that thorn is there, there is mercy and there is sufficient grace to live with that thorn, to help in time of need, as it says in Hebrews 4. We see here this grace of God, this this favour of God, Christ's grace, this merciful kindness it's not an abstract idea. Sometimes when we think of these words and it doesn't seem to connect with where we are. The reality here is this thorn. I can feel it. It's there. This problem I'm facing. And, and you're speaking about the grace of God. What is this? How does this relate to what I'm going through? But this is not an abstract idea. This is found in the person of Christ, in his work. So it's not a commodity as such which we, we might try and lay hold of this grace of God this grace is found in Jesus the person of the Lord Jesus Christ it remains present in him and in him it overflows and as believers as Christians tonight you are united to Christ so that grace is yours that favor of God for you and for me is very very present in your life so we may know him and therefore it is sufficient isn't it to meet our every need it is sufficient it's continually available it goes on being sufficient every day though we may forget ourselves and focus on the thorn yet this verse draws us back no no come to jesus look to him he is sufficient for you he is sufficient for you the grace of christ enables the apostle paul not only to deal with this thorn but it also transforms him And so often in our lives as well, 
as God works in your life, those problems aren't just to be bared with, born with, but they transform us as the Lord works through those things to draw us closer to himself, even to perfect our faith little by little. Again, we come back to the mystery of providence, don't we? God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life, in my life, in our lives. He hasn't taken his eye off the ball. The one who supplies this grace in himself, in the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who said, I am with you always, even until the end of the world, the end of the age. His grace is sufficient. This is no consolation prize. This is not a case of, I'd really like this thorn to be gone, but okay, I'll bear with it because I've got this instead. We need to get away from that thinking because we can think that way, can't we? I I do myself. We prefer comfort. We prefer that thing to be gone completely and sometimes that is the case. But other times it isn't. And it's still there. It's still there. We want to be free from the pain, free from the suffering, free from the problems. And that that yearning is an echo, if you like, of that desire to be free from sin itself. And one day we will be. That will be realised at the resurrection. It is a future hope which we have to look forward to in Christ. But now we travel through life and we still have to deal with these things. And the Lord Jesus says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to remove the thorn from your life. But my grace is sufficient for you. So take encouragement this evening. If you're facing something like this. As God directs these things in your life, he he never abandons you. But instead, his grace is sufficient for you in Christ. And there's continued supply in him. Let's just look at the the third and final thought in this verse here. We thought about that thorn, that thorny issue, the thorn in the flesh. Then the response here, my grace is sufficient for you. Then finally, we we have this phrase here that my, my strength or my power is made perfect in weakness. We have here the power of Christ. My power is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in weakness. What is this strength? What is this power spoken of here? The the, the root of the word in the Greek is where we get our word for dynamite. An explosive power. But it's probably not the best way of thinking about it. Which we default to thinking about that big explosion wouldn't we it's also the root word we we get for the word dynamo which is a better way of thinking about it it's it's less explosive it's more continual like a dynamo if you remember as a child i remember having one of those dynamos you you wind it up with your hand don't you and you can create electricity it's quite cool get a light bulb stick it on the end and it glows up i had fun with it anyway but a dynamo is that continued supply and This is what's spoken of here, the power of Christ, that it's a constant steady supply which strengthens you through those trials. And that power is made perfect in our weakness. 
it's not a limited finite power. If I ran that dynamo, I would run out of energy at some point. Well, I'd get bored of it and put it aside. But this, this power is, is not limited. It's not finite. It's, it's absolute. It's, it's the power of God in Christ. It's almighty. It accomplishes the purposes of God. It is his power, his strength. The one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1. As we thought of at the beginning. The one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. The one who spoke all things into existence. This is the one we're speaking of here. His power is made perfect in your weakness. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. The power of Christ. The power which we see at his resurrection, the one who burst from the tomb. This power. The power we see in Christ as he ascends into heaven, as he's now enthroned at the right hand of God. The one who intercedes for you as our powerful high priest, the glorious one. Is the one who says, my power is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is the power that's in work in us. The power of God that is in work, at work in you, in your conversion as you came to Christ. The one who turned you from looking at yourself, thinking that you're good enough for God, or even having no care or concern for him. This is the power that transformed your life. Turned you around 180 degrees to see the Saviour. This is the power that keeps you and will keep you until the end to persevere. This is the power which keeps you united to Christ by the Holy Spirit, which is made perfect in those weaknesses in our lives. We see here Christ's power applied to you and to me. But this power is purposeful. Sometimes when we think of that uh, explosive power, it's, it's not necessarily purposeful, is it? But this power is. This strength is. It's purposeful. It's, it's directed. As God directs in this world and in our lives, it's made perfect in weaknesses in our lives. You could also translate that phrase, made perfect, as becomes a reality in weakness. It becomes a reality in our lives. As we saw at the beginning, I thought about at the beginning, this thorn is tangible. I can feel it. It's painful. It's hurting me. How do we see this grace? Well, this, this power, this grace is made a reality in our lives. As we trust God, as we trust our Savior, as we look to him, he is very present, very near. He is real to us. He is the living Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the Apostle Paul's inability here, this real trial which he's going through, God's power in Christ comes to him. It's not hypothetical, but rather it's known. And it accomplishes God's purpose in the Apostle's life and in the wider church, in our lives too. So in a real sense, where the Apostle Paul now treads and walks even in this thorny way, Our saviour has gone before as he went to the cross. 
as he suffered in the Apostle Paul's place and in our place as well. And as we tread that thorny road as well, we can say, my saviour has gone before me. He's actually with me. And his power is made perfect in the weaknesses of the trials we go through. He knows all about it. He knows all about your thorn. All all about your your weaknesses. All about the temptations which come upon you. All about the, the, the trials which we face, which you are facing. He knows all about them. But yet without sin, he experienced all of these things as our great high priest. And so you can have confidence. As the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so finally, the Apostle Paul can boast in this, in this thorny issue. He can boast in weaknesses, as it says in verse 9. In infirmities. This doesn't mean he can boast in feebleness. It's not what he's saying. This, these infirmities, this weakness, is not feebleness, but rather weaknesses, which this thorn represents, which is summarized, or summarizing rather, uh, what he spoke about earlier on in chapter 11. Verses 23 to 30, we won't read through those verses, but you can see there he speaks about the stripes which came upon him, how he was shipwrecked, how he spent a a night and a day in the deep, how he was in perils and robbers and beaten with rods, etc., etc., etc. All these trials came upon him. These, These were thorns in his side as well. These were weaknesses, if you like. This wasn't feebleness on his part. These were trials and persecutions he was called to endure. He didn't seek them out. He didn't say, I want these things as trophies to show how great I am as an apostle. But rather, they came upon him in the mystery of God's providence. And he trusted God through them. And so his boast is a boast of faith in Christ. His strength was made perfect for all these things. His grace and power is made known in his life. And so, the Apostle Paul is content. Even with this thorn in his side, he's content. He can confidently say, as it says in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities or weaknesses, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. Thinking back about all these things he described about earlier in chapter 11. I can take pleasure in all those things for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then... I am strong because Christ is everything to me. You may look at the Apostle Paul having read that and think, wow, what, what, what faith is this? If I could just have a little bit of faith like the Apostle Paul had. But that misses the point, which is what he's trying to say here. And the Apostle Paul would say, no, 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 no. Don't look at me. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. And say, wow, what a saviour. What a saviour. And so for us this evening, this same power is at, work, is at work in you and in me. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians tonight. 
the same power which raised Christ from the dead, in which he ascended, in which he is presently enthroned at the Father's right hand, is transforming you and I. And we are called to contentment in this. This is not settling for second best. Or saying whatever will be will be. But rather it's resting in Christ. Knowing his will is best. His will is best. He upholds with his powerful hand. He upholds you. With his powerful right hand. And we had not got time to go into. But the Apostle Paul in all of his writings has a big view of future hope in Christ. And that is true for us as well. We have a future hope which transcends the thorn of now. And it's the view of Christ which is far better. The purpose of God cannot be thwarted. He will bring to completion all which he purposes. And you have a glorious future with him. You will, you will see face to face. And all tears will be wiped away. There will be no more thorns on that day. You'll be forever with the Lord. Amen. We praise God for his word to us tonight. And may we know the reality of this grace and this power in our lives. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word to us this evening. We thank you for how you have shown to us in this passage that you are God Almighty. You are the God of grace, God of mercy, God who is purposing all things according to the purpose of your will. In the apostles' life, in the life of the church, in our lives too. And our salvation is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that we would all be resting and trusting in him this evening. And as believers, as Christians, Father, we pray that we would be following Jesus, trusting him. Whatever happens, we would not just say whatever will be, will be. But we would rather say your will is best. So I pray tonight that you would work in each one of us. As we face trials and difficulties, thorns in our lives. May we be reminded through this week. That you have ordered all these things. According to the mystery of your providence, there is purpose. Father, would you you draw near to us, even in this hour, and throughout this week, reminding us constantly that you're with us, that you're with your children, upholding us with your powerful right hand. Hear our cries, hear our prayers, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.